is WTMJ Nights, live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue. Here's your host, Brian Noonan. Well, good evening. Welcome. Glad you're here. It is WTMJ Nights. Big show planned all the way till 8.30 tonight in advance of Bucks basketball. It is always a better show when you get involved. 855-616-1620. That's WTMJ Talk and Text Line. If you call in, you'll be talking to Max. Be nice to him. It's his first night on the show. He is his first night being subjected to me, so treat him well and you'll get to me. That's how it works. And if you want to text us, why not start out with your answer to our text question of the night? Uh, tonight it is, how do you feel about the appeals court ruling saying that former President Trump is not immune from prosecution? How do you feel about that ruling? The unanimous ruling came down today. We'll talk about it a little bit. Uh, but that is the text question of the night at 855-616-1620. In a little bit, we're going to meet Max. We're going to get to know the man who will be uh, now uh, producing this program. For at least the time being, I don't know if Max knows uh, more than I do, but we'll find out all about it. Find out a little bit about uh, a little bit about uh, Max. So yes, this is the big news today. The one of the big news stories, I think, the probably the biggest is if you haven't gotten sick and tired of all the political news all the time. Uh, the fact that we're still talking about an election that happened four years ago and, uh, you know, it's it's exhausting. And I don't care what side you come down on. It is exhausting. You know, whether you believe uh, with the former president, whether you side against the former president, either way, we've been talking about it forever. And it is I uh, I'm tired of it. You know, I, I don't like arguing with people about it, but this is big news because. This is big news that is going to carry over well after Donald Trump and Joe Biden and you and I are gone. This is the kind of uh, precedent-setting decision that I think is very important. And I, and I was looking forward to this decision. I'm glad it came out the way it did because I think it's important for all presidents to come. Uh, the Federal's, Federal Appeals Court today voted unanimously that Donald Trump is not immune from prosecution for alleged crimes that he committed during his presidency. They rejected uh, his arguments that he shouldn't have to go on trial on federal election subversion trials. Now, before we go much further, uh, people are going to say, well, what about, what about keeping him off the ballot? That's not right. We can't, uh, we can't do that. Well, apples and oranges, my friends, because what they're talking about here is immunity from a criminal trial. And this is a potential criminal prosecution against the former president. Now, the Supreme Court, in a couple weeks, is hearing a case in a civil attempt. That's the attempt to keep him off the primary ballots. So criminal and civil, two different kinds of things. Talk to OJ. He'll explain it to you. So they said for criminal acts that may have been committed... And I say may because nothing has been adjudicated yet. But I think this is great. I think no matter who you are as president, no matter what party you represent as president, you should be liable for any criminal activity. Now, I'm not a legal scholar, but I'm a guy who lives in the real world and who is subject to the laws of this land just like you are. 
and nobody should be above the law. So uh, the adjective that has been thrown around a lot about this decision is scathing because they basically dismantled all of Donald Trump's legal defense's case in this. You know, his argument that he should be immune from all this, they say no, 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 no. Um, one quote, we cannot accept that the presidency, uh, the office of the presidency places its former occupants above the law for all time thereafter. Another one, uh, another quote, former President Trump lacked any lawful discretionary authority to defy federal criminal law, and he is answerable in court for his conduct. Now, they're not saying he's guilty. They're just saying, hey, he can't avoid prosecution for this. He's got to answer. We don't know what's going to happen in court. We don't know anything about that. So, of course, as, as an American citizen that he has every right to, and I'm trying to be as deferential to uh, his supporters as possible because it's no secret that I think this is a good ruling. I think, you know, we got to go ahead. If he's not guilty, he's not guilty. If he is, he is. But he has he's going to appeal this, but the appellate court put a, um, a short window on this. So he has until Monday to ask the Supreme Court to temporarily block the ruling to delay uh, this case from going to trial. But that's, that is for the, um, and again, two different things. He's already petitioned the Supreme, or, uh, the Supreme Court is already going to rule on the civil case of Colorado keeping him off the ballot. This would be a separate petition to the Supreme Court asking them to block today's ruling in the criminal proceedings. So we have to keep that we have to keep that separate and we have to stay really focused on the differences because I'm sure you're going to hear a lot of people on both sides trying to say, "Oh no, look, they're all lumped together. Isn't it going to be a bad now that he can't be?" A-? No, 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 no. They're, they're two different things. Two different things. So, the court went on to say and and throughout the entire judgment or their opinion rather, the three judges uh, rejected all of Trump's arguments, and um, you know he he basically said a president can do whatever they want, which I'm sure for him the argument made sense because then you don't think about well if one president can do whatever they want that means everybody down the road can do whatever they want. Um, this is this is an interesting paragraph, so. I'm not telling you what to do. Listen carefully or don't. But there's one word in here that's going to trigger a lot of debate. Here's the quote, and this is part of the appeals court opinion. Quote, it would be a striking paradox if the president, who alone is vested with the constitutional duty to take care that the laws be faithfully executed, were the sole officer capable of defying those laws with impunity. Now I feel like I feel like I'm teaching uh, history or civics class rather. Uh, why was that paragraph important? Well, because that's the whole crux of the Fourteenth Amendment argument. That's the debate. If if you are following this, and again, it's a different it's a different case. The insurrection argument. It's a different case, but that whole thing hinges on. Is the president an officer? Is he an officer of the government 
or is it just an office? So that's going to be what a lot of legal people and uh, political people are going to be looking at. What did that use? What did the use of the word officer by this appellate court mean in the whole scheme of things? So they referred to him as an officer. Is he an officer? Either way, uh, we'll find out. Now, even though the appellate court put a, a short time limit on this, and again, uh, the Trump legal team has until Monday to petition the Supreme Court to block this, the Supreme Court is under no obligation time-wise. So the Supreme Court could take however long they want to try to get through with it. I'd like to hear from you. I want to hear your opinion on this. Whether we agree or disagree, that's okay. 855-616-1620. We'll talk about it a little more and get to a lot more right here on WTMJ Nights. The night is still young. More of WTMJ Nights coming up next. .com. You're listening to WTMJ Nights. Brian Noonan, WTMJ Knights, here until 8.30 tonight in advance of Bucks basketball. The Bucks are in Phoenix taking on the Suns. Coverage starts at 8.30 with our man Justin Garcia. Uh, we were talking about the appeals court opinion today that says Donald Trump is not immune to prosecution uh, for things that he may or may not have done or things that he is accused of doing while in office. So a lot going on. Um, the 262 says the way it should be regardless of who you are. I agree with that. Uh, from a different 262, how do I feel? One word, yay. So we will see how this plays out. Again, the, uh, the appeal process for this is very short until it gets to the Supreme Court, and then, oh boy, uh, then they can take, they can do kind of whatever they want. Is being a bad mom against the law? Should it be against the law? We talked about the uh, this case the other night because the mom and dad, the Crumbleys, Jennifer and James, uh, they are the parents of Ethan Crumbly, who was the high school shooter in Oxford, uh, Oxford, Michigan, who killed four people, uh, injured seven seven others. Uh, you know they were. The parents were are well. The dad hasn't started his trial yet, but the conviction came back today for the mother. The mom was found guilty of involuntary manslaughter. Now, this was a first-of-its-kind trial here in the U.S., and I think they made the right decision. Here's, here's why. Uh, there was a lot of evidence that this kid had given off red flags for a long time, even to the point of writing in his journal that he is not getting any help for his mental problems, and that's going to make him shoot up the school. Uh, you know the story. The mom, the mom and dad went to the school the day of the shooting. Beforehand, they were talking to his teacher about a troubling photograph that had gunshots and lines all over the school. Um, they had his journal entries. They had texts. They had bought him a gun. He was 15 at the time. They had bought him a gun a few days before. Uh, the mom says, well, he, you know, he only was supposed to use that at the range. We didn't give him a gun willy-nilly. Well, he gave a 15-year-old a gun, and it wasn't like it was a hunting rifle that you uh, take a kid out with if you if you come from a hunting family. And so she's found uh, she's found guilty of involuntary manslaughter. She could face 15 years in prison. Um, the 
the crux of the prosecution's case was that instead of getting him the help he needed, she and her husband bought the son a gun that he used in the attack and then attempted to flee when it was becoming likely that they would be charged. Hmm, suspicious much? I think so. Uh, the mom, Jennifer, did take the stand in her own defense. She said she never foresaw pardon me, her son's deadly actions. She said her son didn't show signs of being mentally ill. Really? Well, there's, there's all different kinds of things. There's texts to her. We'll get to that. Um, she said he just was anxious about school and his future. She also said while she and her husband bought their son the firearm, he was only allowed to use it at a shooting range with his dad. Uh, but then she threw her husband under the bus and said it was his responsibility to secure the gun. Um, you know. That's all that. The prosecution obviously very happy about the way this went down, as uh, as I'm sure are a lot of people. Now, this is, there's people who are saying, well, we hope that this case kind of uh, impacts views on gun safety. I don't know if it will, unfortunately. I think the vast majority of gun owners are very careful with their guns and responsible with how they expose their children to them. That's the vast majority. I think the people who would really need to have their views impacted on this aren't going to pay attention anyway. It's going to be more of the same. But maybe the fact that we don't know how long she's going to get in jail, if any time. We don't know if her husband is going to be convicted as well. But maybe, and I'd like, I'd like to hear from you if you are a gun owner, uh, maybe these conviction, this conviction will make a difference and will make some people say, okay, we've got to, uh, we just have to be a little more cognizant of how we explore gun safety in our home, if we have guns in our home, you know. Um, there were text messages that this kid sent to the mom. Uh, he texted his friends that he was paranoid and he was hearing voices. He texted his mom that there was a he was uh, saw a demon in the house and the clothes were flying around. So there was all this all this stuff leading up to this. So I think the jury did the right thing. They it was unanimous. You know it has to be a jury verdict. They deliberated for about ten hours, and there we go. So this is. This is going to change the way school shootings and mass shootings are looked at. Because now if you have a kid that does this and they can prove that you had any sort of knowledge beforehand and that was the whole big thing, we are going to we're we're going to rule on the foreseeability of this crime and if it's Beyond a reasonable doubt that you had some sort of uh, you had some sort of advanced knowledge, well, then you're going to be held liable, liable as well. All right. After the news, we're going to uh, we're going to change things up just a little bit, have a little fun, talk about some different things. But we can't do any of that until we do this. It's WTMJ Nights. You're listening to WTMJ Nights. I couldn't even bend over. Now, more of WTMJ Nights. All right. 
we got a couple minutes. Before we go to the news, let's meet Max, shall we? Uh, Max, uh, good to have you on the program. Glad to be working with you. I've heard our uh, my old producer, Tommy, gave you a big, uh, big recommendation the other night. Not on the air. That would have been too official. But he told me off the air. Had good things to say about you. So uh, how long have you been with the company? Where did you come from? What's your story, Max? Yeah, I've been here for a little over three years now. Most of my time has been spent over on the ESPN side. And... Uh, the opening over here became available, and I volunteered my services, and that's how I ended up over here. Uh, I'm not actually from Milwaukee, Milwaukee initially. I'm from the Cleveland area, okay. and uh, I was an intern at ESPN Cleveland, graduated in 2020 when, you know, the pandemic hit, which was a terrible time. And, uh, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, right? So I was desperate for any job, and I looked throughout the company, saw an opening over here, and voila, that's how I made it over here in November of 2020. Very nice. Well, you follow in a long line of producers who uh, have a strong interest in sports, which is good because we do talk sports uh, on this show occasionally, and I always, I always like to get the uh, the sports guy kind of uh, opinions on stuff. Oh, I'm no problem doing that. We can we can fill that role just nicely. Yeah. Well, I I have a feeling we'll be talking a little Super Bowl tomorrow, so you'll be uh, you'll be uh, an added. Added bonus there for sure. And uh, do you want what are your what are your radio goals? First of all, I have to. You said you volunteered your services. They are paying you to be here. Well, yes, correct? that's true. Well, listen, right, the listen, money I, the money's great and everything like no, that. I understand <laughs> that. I just don't want you to. I don't want you to be taken advantage of. I don't want somewhere down the line. Uh, you know, I don't want to get canceled because my producer was working without pay. That's not, I don't need that pain in my life, Max. <laughs> no, trust me, that we don't have to worry about that. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> as far as my goals are, uh, obviously, man, I love sports. So being a sports radio host has been my goal uh, ever since I was a kid. So that's how I ended up in this business, and that's how I am where I am now. Very nice. Well, again, I'm glad you're here. Uh, we'll have a good time. We'll talk about a lot of stuff, but right now we have to go to the WTMJ Breaking News Center. Jessica Gatso, ready to roll? Thanks, Brian. We're now learning the identity of the person of interest arrested in connection to the double murder in downtown Elkhorn last week. Local criminal defense attorney Russell Jones tells our news partners at TMJ4 the person is his client, Thomas Rout Jr., Route is maintaining his innocence and says he was not involved in the case. He's being held at the Walworth County Jail on a corrections hold because he has a previous criminal history. Route served several years in federal prison on a long list of convictions, including arson, burglary, and forgery. Since Route has been out on parole, police can hold him longer than the typical 72 hours. He has not yet been formally charged. Briggs & Stratton CEO Joe Liotini has been left the company after just five months on the job. Our partners at the Milwaukee Business Journal report that Liotini has, quote, exited the company without additional details as to why. Senior Vice President and Chief Financial Officer Christina Cerniglia will serve as interim CEO, a position she's held between Liotini's hiring in August 2023 and the departure of his predecessor, Steve Andrews. The groundhog said spring would come early, and one local golf course is happy to oblige. Grant Golf Course in South Milwaukee will open tomorrow at 9 a.m. and be walking only. The course will remain open as long as the weather continues to be mild, hopefully through this Saturday. Taking a look at your roads with your Johnson & Sons paving time saver traffic. Roads are looking clear this evening, but still foggy driving conditions. So definitely keep an eye out for that, especially on the lakeside.
again taking a look at your WTMJ forecast. We have a dense fog advisory in effect for Kenosha, Racine, Ozaki, Sheboygan, and Milwaukee County. That goes until 6 a.m. on Wednesday. Tonight, mostly cloudy skies, and we'll see that fog developing on the lakeside, especially a low of 36. On Wednesday, mostly cloudy and breezy, a high of 48. On Thursday, mostly cloudy and breezy again. We'll see some mild showers and a chance for thunderstorms as the day goes on, a high of 53. Right now in Milwaukee, it's 33 degrees. I'm Jessica Gatso, Siding Unlimited, WTMJ News Time is 7.32. It's Brian Noonan here until 8.30 on WTMJ Nights. 855-616-1620 is the WTMJ Talk and Text Line. Jump in. Uh, Max, we were, we were learning about you before. If it's not too personal, and even if it is, I'm going to ask it, but you don't have to answer it. How old are you, Max? Do you mind me asking? I'm 25. I turn 26 next month. Perfect. Well, happy birthday in advance. Who knows? If you're like the other producers, you're going to do a great job, and you're going to move on before your birthday. So <laughs> uh, that's, that's how things go. All right, good. I'm glad, I'm glad to know your age because I am not 25. I haven't been 25 in a little while, uh, more than a little while, but let's not get into numbers. Numbers are for dorks. Uh, there's some... I saw this story today, and I hear this all the time because my daughter is 27. And I hear from the Gen Zers, which most of the people I work with here at WTMJ are, are in that category. They're young people. And I like, I like having young people around. There's a different energy. You get different ideas. You get different perspectives. But sometimes the young people are around, and, and I think to myself, boy, they look at me like a, a codger. Now I find out they do, and the, the reason that they do, I don't understand. Uh, according to, according to uh, teens and people in their 20s, they have decided that carrying a wallet is atrociously antiquated, or uh, correct me on this pronunciation if I'm off, Max, chuggy. Is that correct? You've said a couple words in the last minute here that I don't know what any of those mean. You called it, what'd you call yourself? The before that? A, a codger? Uh, yeah, I don't know what that means. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> well, what... see, that's because I'm old. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it, oh, <laughs> codger is a cranky old man. That's me. Hey, I'm learning. Uh, I'm adding to the lexicon these in this Listen, show. So. I'm here to increase young people's vocabulary, if nothing else. If you learn nothing else from this show, you've learned codger. Now move on. Don't be greedy. <laughs> Don't take everybody's knowledge. But is chuggy is chuggy a word? I have I again I have no idea. These are two words that I've never heard in my entire life till. All just right. Now. Well then we're we're almost equal. I've heard codger because I said it. I don't know chuggy. But anyway, <laughs> they're saying that uh millennials and people older than that are just making themselves seem so old because they're carrying a wallet. God forbid you have a wallet. And I, I was reading this and i was like well there's got to be other things that make you feel old or your children consider you old because you do them 855-616-1620 if you want to jump in with that but i don't get the wallet now i know i know the argument is well all the young people use the digital wallet do you use a digital wallet no, I do not. And I'm not exactly sure how that even works. Can you carry like a driver's license and a digital wallet? I don't, I don't think so. Because that would be like credit cards is one thing. I know you can do that. But 
Right. But, but the driver's license and maybe your insurance or whatever, that to me, I carry my wallet. So I don't know where I would put that. I don't... I. I carry a version of a wallet. I, I carry my money in my front pocket just because I don't want, you know, I don't want to get, uh, I don't know, I like my money in my front pocket. So I have like a uh, a card case, a credit card case. It's small, but it's it's technically a wallet. It has my driver's license and insurance card and credit cards uh, and my debit card. Not much, not a whole lot in there, but I carry it. And I don't think, you know, I'm, I'm still, this is an argument I have all the time with, uh, well, with my wife, who is not a uh, a Gen Zer or a millennial, and my daughter, who is, uh, I still carry. I still carry cash. Max, do you carry cash? Yeah, I mean, if I have it, I'll carry it. But like, if I don't have cash, it's not the end of the world. Like, I don't go actively seeking for cash. But if I have it, yeah, I'll carry it around. Okay, see, because I I always have to have some, not a lot. Because I listen, I do uh, I do Venmo people. Uh, I accept Venmos from people, so if you want to uh, Venmo me some cash. Anyway, um, so I do all that, uh, but I and I keep I have my debit card obviously with me, but I always like to have some cash. It's I know it's an old school thing, but if I show up somewhere and I need to tip somebody or I get to a place, and there's still places that will only accept cash and they don't really advertise it. Like you get to a little uh, sandwich stand or something. And they oh cash only. It's like oh boy, all right. You got to have a little bit of cash. Um, I don't I don't know how you would function without even my daughter. Like I said, who's twenty seven, she doesn't carry cash, but she carries a wallet in her purse. She doesn't have it in her back pocket, but that's it. So well, some experts are saying um, youngsters. To hang on to your hang on to your debit card and your wallet just for a little while longer. I know everything seems to be on your phone, and that's it's very uh, it's very good. And I've like I've put concert tickets or baseball tickets in my digital wallet, and I had uh, well I had my old parking pass for our new building there in my digital wallet, but no. I still got to carry it. So what other things do you do that your children or young people would consider being old? I've heard lately now it's like if you wear ankle socks that they consider you, you're, oh, you're, you're way past your prime. You're doing that. Um, so there's all, you know, I don't, I, I probably do so many things that my daughter considers old. I know uh, some of my fashion choices, she just rolls her eyes at quietly. Um, but I do try to not act young, but I like to at least know what younger people are doing. You know, I like to I like to keep up on the lexicon, so I'm going to have to look up a chuggy and see what that actually means. If anybody could, if anybody could help me out, that would be great too. Maybe you are chuggy as well, or your kids have uh, your kids have accused you of being that. Um, I wanted to be fire, but that's not uh, that's not a thing anymore, is it, Max? Being fire. Uh, it's sort of fading away, I'd say. I uh, I think you might sound a little a little, you know. Trying to like hold on to the cool people thing and being a little bit past it. You know <laughs> like that's one that you say like that's that you're trying to sound cool, but it's maybe past its prime a little bit. 
Listen, I like that you said hold on to the cool people. I like I ever had a firm grip on them. That's very <laughs> nice. Thank you. I appreciate that. Way to kiss up on your first night, Max. I that's we're we're putting those brownie points right in the column uh, of the positive. All right, let's take a quick break. We're going to talk. Uh, if you if you have something, maybe you've been accused of being old if you still carry a wallet and you don't care what the young whippersnappers say now what about what do what, what if you have the giant wallet on a chain where does that where does that fit in gen zers because usually if i see a guy with a wallet on a chain i'm not going to mess with him i don't care what age he is a well, lot of questions do we have any answers who knows it's wtmj nights more wtmj nights coming up back to wtmj nights all right. Well, listen, we've been uh, we were talking about millennials uh, having to ditch their wallets, millennials and older people, because Gen Z is saying that you're uh, shouldn't carry a wallet because it makes you chuggy, uh, which neither Max, who is 25, or I, who am not, uh, had heard of before. From the 414, thank you, but a, a little passive aggressive, uh, uptrend, outdated. They have a thing called Google. 31, I'm Chuggy too. All right, I know they have a thing called Google. I availed myself of it, and we will get into that. Um, from the 41, a different 414, old guy with a digital wallet still trying to be young, no cap. Oh, boy, here we go again. Max, that's no an, cap. That's, that, that's another one like fire. I feel like it's just sort of fading away, and that's uh, – if you say that and you're old, above the age of like 30, somebody's going to look at you a little weird. What does it mean? No cap means like you're not lying. Cap okay. is lying. So if that guy's capping, he's lying. Okay, I see. So I got that. All right. Uh, 55-year-old texting in from the 920. Money, license, and credit card go inside the phone case. Uh, no purse or wallet. What kind of phone case? I guess like mine is just a phone protector. I guess maybe you have one of those phone cases with the pocket on the back or that opens up. That's technically a clutch. If you're putting if you're putting things in your phone case, you are carrying a clutch, my friend. I don't want to dicker over, uh, you know, I don't want to parse words, but if you're putting those in something and carrying it around, all right. So uh, according to according to Google, which our four one four person said we should use, yes, if you are chuggy, you are out of date, untrendy, or trying too hard. How do any of those? fit carrying a wallet how does carrying a wallet make you out of date untrendy or trying too hard i don't understand it but uh if you're like me and you're wondering hey uh how do i know if i'm chuggy and why 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 would you care but i'll tell you here's 10 things to look for to find out if you are indeed chuggy uh you use you use herbal essence shampoo Yes, according to the person, they, the New York Times claims that the word chuggy came from a 24-year-old who went on TikTok, and she put these things on. It's a, uh, chuggy, basically another way to say basic. So, uh, I don't know. So, it goes back to things in the 2010s. You use herbal essence shampoo. I do not. Uh, you have hashtag girl boss energy. Anything associated with, with hashtag girl boss energy is evidence of being a chug. <laughs> wow. Now it's not just an adjective. You are a, a chug, especially when used as a hashtag on social media. 
Uh, you use cheesy hashtags and captions. I don't do any of those things. Um, let's see. One of the Chug things for Chugla, I did a thing. I hate when people do it. I did a thing. Uh, you love Disney and you're an adult. I don't know if that makes you chuggy. It might just make you creepy. Jean jackets are chuggy. The Garden State soundtrack is chuggy. <laughs> Graphic tees. Really? All right. Uh, see, I'll... Max, you're young. If I wore a graphic tee, like uh, today under my sweatshirt, I had a kiss t-shirt on. <laughs> Does that make me? That's a little weird. I mean, if it's, I mean, maybe not. I guess, but yeah, I always wear just like plain shirts underneath sweatshirts and whatnot. So, even uh, though nobody can see it, I'm still well, chuggy underneath. I, yeah, deep down, I guess I suppose you're chuggy. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, that's my entire t-shirt collection. Uh, so, like with shorts, you just wear a plain t-shirt. It depends. I mean, like, I, like I don't know what this means. Graphic T-shirt. Like, don't most shirts have some sort of well, graphic just on it? Any kind of design, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's stupid. I mean, everybody oh, has like could. a couple shirts that have a graphic design on it. But I mean, I do understand that most of my shirts are pretty plain and maybe have like a small logo in the corner, you know, on the chest. Boy, I don't. I'm trying to think if I have other than like an undershirt is different. A T-shirt. I think I have. Two or three that are just plain old T-shirts, nothing on the front or back, and I find them boring. To be quite honest with you, uh, if you use Axe body spray, never have, never will. Uh, you have a side part, so I don't know all those all those things that make me feel way too old. All right, let's take a quick break, and then when we come back, are you able to separate an artist from their political message? talk about why i'm asking that question after this on wtmj nights don't go anywhere more wtmj nights coming up he lover to their mother everything to everyone up and that i'm bright and early i'm all business in my suit that is toby keith who passed away today at the age of 62 he'd been battling stomach cancer uh, he was diagnosed in 2021. He revealed his diagnosis in 2022. And I always liked Toby Keith's music. Uh, you know, the big 1990, the breakout hit should have been a cowboy. That was peak time when I was listening to country music. And it hadn't gone over to bro country yet, where every song was the same. Toby Keith um, came out with that song. I loved it. It was one of his 20 number one singles, and it was played in on 90s country radio nonstop. Um, so Toby Keith passed away today, 62. Um, he faced a lot of controversy due to his political beliefs. Uh, it started well. First, he had he had controversy because he wasn't going to listen to the record companies, and they tried. Uh, the first couple, uh, the first label he was on also had Shania Twain, who was wildly successful, and he felt that they were the record label was trying to make him too pop. He wanted to be country, so he uh, left them. He went back and forth. He's finally started his own label, but he had a run during the '90s which was uh, crazy. Some of his number one hits, "How Do You Like Me Now," "Should Have Been a Cowboy," of course, "As Good as I Once Was." My List, Beer for My Horses, which he did with Willie Nelson. It was, uh, he had quite a career. But then, 
after 9-11, he came out with um, the song Courtesy of the Red, White, and Blue, and there was a lot of controversy about that, so much so that ABC pulled it from um, the 4th of July special because producers thought it was too angry for the show. And then Steve Earle, who I'm a big fan of and I respect his work, called that song pandering to people's worst instincts at a time they are hurt and scared. And it did tap into something uh, right after 9-11, which I think we were all feeling. So, But there were factions that didn't, you know. It was one of those songs where I was like, oh, this song's okay. It wasn't definitely my favorite of his. Uh, then he got into a feud with the, the chicks, formerly the Dixie Chicks, because Natalie Maines, uh, when she was overseas, badmouthed President Bush. Um, she had also called that song, courtesy of the Red, White, and Blue, Ignorant. But um, he was like, no, he just... Uh, then Toby Keith, even though he had always talked about an artist's freedom to express themselves, he uh, created an image of Natalie Maines with Saddam Hussein, he had that up at his concerts. She went on. Um, she went on the ACM awards with an FUTK shirt. So all back and forth. But he was married for 39 years to his wife. He also had uh, three children, two daughters and a son. He leaves them all behind. Four grandchildren. And um, I think it's one of those one of those quandaries that we find ourselves in. Now, what Toby Keith's politics? I didn't have to agree with them. I could still like his music. I could still sing along with some of his songs. Uh, there's certain people who it's harder to do that with, mostly because not not that they're... Um, it's not for me. It's not politics. It's criminal stuff. And I struggle with that. That I Do I separate the music or the comedy from a person's real life? Sometimes it's easier than others. With Toby Keith, he, uh, you know, he was a he was his own guy. He forged his own path. He stayed true to himself throughout his journey in in the music industry. Um, I, I, you know, I think it. I can make this separation now with Toby Keith. So, R.I.P. Toby Keith. On the other side of the news, we're going to talk about. St. Patrick's Day Parade, we're going to talk about cheap eats. We're going to talk about, oh, man, your boss may want you in the office no matter what. We'll do it after the news, which comes your way after this on WTMJ. You're listening to WTMJ Nights. This is WTMJ Nights, live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue. Here's your host, Brian Noonan. All right, we are moving into hour number two, but it is not really hour number two. It is half hour uh, number three because we are out of here at 8.30 to make room for the Milwaukee Bucks. They are in Phoenix taking on the Suns tonight. Justin Garcia has the pregame starting at 8.30. We were talking right before we went to the news about uh, being able to separate an artist from their personal life, whether it's their politics or something else. And uh, the 414 sent, sent a text that made me laugh. I can easily separate the two, they mean. But what I can't stand is old artists belittling younger ones, like Ted Nugent trying to talk down to Taylor Swift. Nobody talks about T-Swizzle like that. Ha-ha. 
Yeah, you can't listen. Used to be you couldn't mess with Beyonce because the uh, the Bayhive was gonna come at you. But man, oh man, if you go against Taylor Swift, you're in big trouble. Tomorrow night we're gonna talk a little bit about the Super Bowl. But Max, since this is not really, it's related to the Super Bowl because everybody's talking about it. You're a man who is uh, enthralled with sports. You've worked in sports radio for a while. Where do you fall on this Taylor Swift, uh, Travis Kelsey kerfuffle? I don't, I don't want to call it a controversy because it's two people who are dating and hanging out, and it, I don't see it's an issue. But what do you, where do you fall on this as a, as a sports purist? Yeah, I, I just don't get all the outrage over them showing <laughs> Taylor Swift for, th- like I remember there was some article that came out that they actually broke down the amount of time that Taylor Swift was on screen for a Chiefs game and it was yeah. like 30 seconds and people are yeah. outraged that they're showing her it's like they're just trying to reach out to a different demographic of people that would never watch football all these young girls who are tuning in to watch Taylor Swift and her boyfriend who cares like it's all just entertainment at the end of the day like I love football yeah. don't get me wrong but I don't get the crazy outrage over it yeah I I pulled up from the uh from the championship game, the uh, they were breaking it down. How much? How much was she actually on? And during that game, it was I think around forty-two seconds. But that wasn't all at once. It was a couple different things, and that's the game where she told the the cameras to leave her alone and that kind of thing. So, you know, I think I think it's funny that people are people get upset about this, and then I hear from other people. Well, just because you guys are saying there's people upset, there's not. Well, there are people who are upset, but there are there are people who are upset about everything. You know, I don't know what they want. I'm listen. One thing you'll learn about me, Max. I'm a big fan of love, and uh, it appears to me that Taylor and Travis they got something going on. So, uh, you know. How much will we see her at? Listen, they're going to be taking they're going to be taking shots of all the big celebrities at the Super Bowl. You know why? Because regular people can't afford to go to the Super Bowl, so it's going to be celebrities, and then it's going to be somebody. I saw some uh, player's mom today was saying that they couldn't they couldn't afford the big luxury boxes. Yeah, it was actually a Christian McCaffrey, the star running back for the 49ers. He can't, oh, is that who it was? Yeah. I knew it was one of the big players, but he, I couldn't... Yeah, he has a $65 million contract, and they can't afford a suite at the Super Bowl. <laughs> that, might be cry, that might be crying a little poor mouth. That's, I, don't, I don't quite buy that. But listen, it's, it's what, a, almost a quarter million for the, uh, for the suites? That's a lot of money. I don't want to. I, even if I was making sixty-five million, I'm not. I'm not dropping. Listen, because maybe his mom is in there, but you know, there's a lot of a lot of freeloaders up there. You know, you buy your mom a nice seat, uh, maybe get your mom the box, but then you got to pay for the food and everything else. Then all of a sudden, you got to keep working. And if you're like everybody else, your boss doesn't care. He wants you to come to work, whether you're sick or not. This is now. I don't know. You mentioned earlier, Max, that you had started working uh, at um, one of the ESPN stations right before the pandemic. Remember after the pandemic, everyone's like, listen, don't go to work if you're sick. If you're sick, stay home. You're going to get everybody in the in the office sick. That's not going to be good. Uh, you got to, oh my goodness, please stay home. Not anymore. Now it's like, what pandemic? We don't remember any pandemic. Um and that's the thing. Companies are already forgetting it. A new survey came out. It was a survey of office managers 
shows an alarming lack of concern about employees' access to sick leave. Raise your hand if you are surprised. Okay, I didn't see any hands. We'll move on. 20% of managers said they've encouraged workers who weren't feeling well to still come into the office. 20%, which, uh, according to a career strategist, blew her mind. They surveyed more than 1,000 managers about sick leave attitudes. Now, granted, that is a very small sample size. We're not going to... We're not going to put so much weight on this, but I know, being in school, the administration, if you're not really, really sick, they would much rather have you in school. And I've seen a lot of teachers come to school when they're sick because it's almost more work to take a sick day. Because then you have to come up with lesson plans. You got to do all kinds of stuff. You got to make sure uh, if it's a day that you were supposed to be testing that somebody's going to do it. It's it's a lot of hassle. Uh, a lot of managers felt like uh, so. The survey found that one in four managers think employees who report uh, to them abuse their sick day sick days by exaggerating or lying about their condition. That is called sick shaming. There's a reason that you are given when you when you take a job part of your benefits are they sometimes they divide them up into vacation days or sick days sometimes they're just pto paid time off days they gave those to you they're yours to use it might be inconvenient if you get sick but i am a firm believer in if you have the days use the days because if you work for somebody else, the hard truth is you're just an employee. You're a cog in the machine. No matter how nice your uh, boss is, no matter how great the company is to work for, if something happens to you, the company's still going to be going tomorrow, and they'll fill your spot. So if you're sick and you have the sick days, take them. If you have vacation days or some paid time off days, Use them. Now, of course, if your company has rules like, hey, if you want to take a vacation, you got to submit it, that's fine. But you should always be always be able to use your days. Always take your days. Um, a lot of managers, according to this survey, were exaggerating, uh, felt like employees were exaggerating the sixth time, uh, but that's not for them to judge, according to this same, this same uh, career strategist. A third of managers' surveys said they often ask for medical documentation as proof of illness from workers who request a sick day. That would be the same sick day that I am applying for other jobs. you got to bring a doctor's note. What am I, in third grade? I'm a grown man. I told you I was sick. Take my sick day, and let's move on. You're going to make me bring a doctor's note? Like, I'm going to go to the doctor because one day I got up and I was throwing up or I woke up with a fever or I needed a, oh, and I hate this term, but I'm going to use it. Max, mark the tape and then come and punch me right in the face. A mental health day. Um, so it's not illegal to require a doctor's note, but it is illegal discrimination to use a medical diagnosis against an employee. Um, another... Big twist since our COVID days uh, to sick leave requests can increase resentment among employees who have had to give up remote or hybrid work options to return to the office. I know my wife is livid. 
she was she loved working remotely loved it she was very productive uh, all her all the people she worked for everybody in the in the firm all the bosses said boy we got we've been much more productive this is great now she has to go in 3 days a week she are not she's not happy uh, many managers said they do not believe it is always reasonable to take a day off for personal health, mental health, or family emergencies. Well, good for you. Uh, and uh, to those managers, I say, pound sand. Because you, you can't expect your employees to show up if they're sick. If, now, there have been days where my wife has not been feeling well, um, she just, instead of going in or taking a day off, she calls and then she works from home so there is a compromise but if that's not if that's not available to you again i say use your days because trust me when all is said and done nobody's nobody's gonna go oh we're so glad that max never took a sick day now he's dead uh guess what we're filling his position in 12 minutes not that i wish you dead max i'm just using you as an example Please don't send a letter to HR. It was the first night, and he said I w- he wished me dead. <laughs> I'm not wishing you dead. Boy, Max, Max clammed up right maybe, there. Maybe like, I, maybe hold I... on, I'm drafting my letter to HR. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, Brian. What did you say? I've just jotted. I've just sent off a quick text to uh, to corporate. Uh, <laughs> listen, we're going to get this sorted out while we do. Let's uh, let's do this on WTMJ. The night is still young. More of WTMJ Nights coming up next. Four. You're listening to WTMJ Nights. A few more minutes of WTMJ Nights, and then we head out to Phoenix. The Bucks are taking on the Suns tonight. Tip off at nine. Uh, our pregame coverage starts at eight thirty. Uh, you know it is getting close to St. Patrick's Day. Yesterday we uh, announced. Of course, at the Shamrock Shake is back. Today, the Shamrock Club of Wisconsin announced the date and the route for the Milwaukee-St. Patrick's Day Parade, the 56th annual. It is on March 9th, which is a little early for my liking. But, uh, yeah, you got a, like a little over a week for um, before St. Patrick's Day. But that's good. It's March 9th. So mark your calendars, noon on March 9th, the parade, which is considered one of the oldest St. Patrick's Day parades in the country. It starts at North King Drive, uh, heads east on Wisconsin Avenue to Plankton, north to Kilbourne, up to King Drive to Juneau Avenue, then heads east and ends at North Water Street and East Highland Avenue. They're expecting more than 120 units, including Irish dancers, pipe and drum corps, floats, and more. There's a party scheduled afterwards at the Irish Cultural and Heritage Center. And uh, you can go to stpatricksparade.org to get all the information. Where do you fall on parades, Max? Are you a parade fan? I I can't think of a... You know what? The last time I went to the parade was when the Cavaliers won the championship in 2016. And that was great. But I don't think I would go to just your average everyday parade. I agree with you. I uh, I am not a parade guy, however... I do enjoy a St. Patrick's Day parade for a brief period of time. I enjoyed them more when I was younger and dumber. And I would, uh, you know, St. Patrick's Day was the ultimate party day. So when I was young and and, uh, doing that, I loved going to the St. Patrick's Day parade. Right now, the only parades I 
am eager to attend our Mardi Gras parades. So this year, unfortunately, I'm not going down to Mardi Gras. Tomorrow would have been the day we left. Uh, but I've been down to Mardi Gras many, many times. I've been on a crew. And I like those parades because you get stuff. It brings out a weird animal instinct in me to try to catch as many beads and trinkets as I can to the point where I've scared myself. And I was like, all right, I have to, I have to pull back a little bit. But Mardi Gras parades are the only parades that I will uh, actively seek out. You know, I'll still go to the St. Patrick's Day Parade, like I said, but not quite as fun because, you know, now I'm a grown man with responsibilities. I can't be that I can't be that guy swilling green beer uh, and ending up, you know, hammered at three o'clock where I can't even walk. All right, let's take a quick break and then we will start wrapping things up because it's WTMJ Nights. You're listening to WTMJ Nights. This is WTMJ Nights. Just a few more minutes, and then we head out to Phoenix. Bucks are taking on the Suns tonight. Uh, as a sports guy, Max, I thought you might appreciate this. Uh, I've been teaching, everybody knows, I've been teaching PE for the last few months, and we started a new unit the other day. We're doing basketball. So I've got to teach kids from kindergarten through fifth grade about dribbling, and now we're moving into, you know, we've been dribbling for the last week doing different dribble drills and now we're uh, now we're moving into shooting and uh, we we had to change things up a little bit because obviously kindergarten kids are like a foot and a half tall and their uh, the equipment that was supposed to come in to lower to give us some lower rims didn't so the kindergarten kids can't shoot at a 10 foot rim so we're doing a little more dribbling today and I don't know if you have a lot of experience with kindergarten kids mats or first graders they like to complain. They are, uh, the minute they walk into school, it's like a mash unit. Something's always wrong. Their leg hurts, their eye hurts, they have a tumor, uh, this and that. Well, I heard the funniest thing I've ever had a kid say to me in PE happened today. This little girl comes in. She's a uh, first grader, and we're going to dribble. So she sees the basketballs when she first walks into the gym, and she comes up and says, Mr. Noonan? I said, yeah, what's going on? I can't do the dribbling today. I said, why? What happened? Well, you can't do the drill. Because I'm afraid I'll hit my face. And my lip was bleeding earlier. Now, she had her lip, her lip looked fine. Uh, Max, you follow sports. At any point, have you ever seen somebody dribble with their face? No, I can't say that I have. Okay. Now, we haven't known each other long. But in the short time you've known me, do you think I would have taught a young child to dribble with their face? I would certainly hope not, and I don't think you would. Well, I like that you would hope not. No, I, I definitely wouldn't. And um, I was like, what? No, I'm afraid I'll hit my face. I said, no, you won't. You're, you're not going to hit your face. So as I'm talking to the whole class, I'm like, all right, everybody, uh, we're going to do some more dribbling, and here's what I want you to remember, blah, 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 giving them the dribbling drills. I said, and don't worry, uh, nobody's going to get hit in the face. I said, if you do dribble with your face, you're doing it all wrong. Because I didn't teach you to dribble with your face. And they all laughed. So it turns out she went out and she started to dribble. And I know you're waiting for the payoff that she did hit herself in the face. She did not. Uh, she did not hit herself in the face. But she did try to dribble the first couple seconds with her hand over her mouth. All right, well, listen, we got to get out of here because uh, the Bucks are playing. 
They're playing in Phoenix. Uh, Tip-off is at 9 o'clock. Our pregame starts in just a couple of minutes. I will be back with you tomorrow night at 7. Max, it was a pleasure. Thank you for being here. I hope uh, I didn't scare you away. You'll be with us tomorrow. Everybody have a great night. Milwaukee Bucks basketball next on WTMJ.